There it is. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this beautiful day, at least in Austin, Texas. And uh, we're going to be talking once again. This is exciting. Polyamory and the law, preparing your polycule for your future. It's going to be fun. Tune in. Practicing polyamory, real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. Still gets me dancing. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome on this beautiful day. Before we jump in and chat with today's awesome guest, I really quickly want to remind everybody to please Follow the show on whatever social media platform you prefer. You can find us everywhere at Practicing Polya. And if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast app, please subscribe and leave a review. We're really looking for reviews. So please leave a review. Uh, and thank you so much for helping us show up higher on those search results. And if you want to support the show, there's a really easy way. You're already paying for your insurance. Why not work with a Polyam insurance professional? Send me a DM on whatever your favorite social media is, uh, at Practicing Polya. Ask me about your malpractice or errors in emissions insurance. Would love to help you out. And as always, lastly, want to remind you, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. If you are actively polyam, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, we want to hear your story. If you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, ooh, I did it all in one breath. Whatever it is, I want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the more representation we have, and the better we can serve our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, everybody, that is my spiel. Best part of the show, my favorite. Get to introduce our awesome guest today. Today's guest wants to help you build the life you choose with the people you love. She is a Texas attorney who offers legal solutions for people who, like herself, have an unconventional life lifestyle. Standard and traditional legal, ser legal services don't always work for those of us in the polyam community, and our guest is committed to providing people with the creative and flexible tools they need to build a life that suits their unique goals and values. Now, today's guest is not the attorney with a fancy downtown office, expensive suits, and exorbitant hourly rates. She is a modern web-based attorney who provides consultations when you are ready without you needing to get dressed up, head into town, and look for parking. Plus, if you're an introvert who make, hates making phone calls, rest assured that a lot of the necessary communication can be handled by text and email. I am super excited to dive in once again to polyamory and the law. Joining us today, and I love the name of your law firm, from Chosen Family Law out of Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, Stacy McLarty. It's great to be here, James. Okay, okay, because we're in Texas. You went with the cowboys shooting the guns. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Really excited to have you on. Um, I'm just going to start with a little bit of background. Uh, you told me right before the show started, you are also polyamorous. So a polyam lawyer, this is really exciting. Tell me a little bit about uh, your history um, and the things that you 
let's just start with the history. We'll, we'll go with that and jump in from there. Okay. Um, I've been polyamorous since about 2006. Um, I have two partners on a hinge and a, a V, um, which means that my two partners are involved with me, but not with each other. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I've been with Andy for about 13 years and we don't live together and we're not legally married, but I've been with my partner, Kevin, for about six years and um, and we are legally married and we live together. And uh, and we met as part of the Burning Man community, the regional Burning Man community here in the Austin area. And I'm just uh, extraordinarily lucky that I have such a supportive family. Uh, you know, my parents, I'm, I'm out to everybody. And also my adult kids live close. So we hang out, have game nights. Of course, you know, pre-COVID, there's a lot more social stuff going on. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of where I am in, in my polyamory universe now. Um, oh, now, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I, you said something that, that struck me, and I want to kind of dive into the personal side of things. We'll get to the professional, but uh, since we're talking on the personal side of things, I don't know if this is a rare thing that happens, that you've been with one partner for 13 years and you're not married and you don't live together. And the one that you've been with for six years, you are um, Andy, right? Was the one that you've been in with for 13. How mm -hmm. did he take it when you said, Hey, uh, I'm getting married to somebody that I haven't been with for quite as long as you. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I had actually been dating Kevin for several years before we got married, but it involved a lot of communication. And one of the things that I, I thought was really important is to make sure that he knew how much I loved him and chose him. Um, I, I wrote him a, a love letter that was a lot like um, wedding vows the night before I got married to Kevin and shared that with him and, you know, made it really clear. I, I may not be legally married to you, but I'm choosing you every, every single day. That's beautiful. That's lovely. I, it's, 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 I think he's wonderful. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Double with the tombstone. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously he, he's a wonderful person and, and it's an, it's just an interesting, uh, situation there. And I think it speaks a lot to the way that we get to, as it says in the name of your law firm, choose our families, right? We get to choose our relationships and our, and our relationship styles. Um, if, if you don't mind, I want to stay kind of on this, on this personal topic. I promise we'll get to the professional stuff too, because polyamory in the law, like definitely uh, excites me. And I want to see, you know, things that are happening for you and, and things that you fight for uh, over there in Texas. But um, on the personal side of things, um, we talk a lot also about like our relationship escalators. Um, were you expecting to be on a relationship escalator with either of your partners when you started dating? Oh, absolutely not. Um, in fact, when I, when I started dating Andy back in 2008, um, I, I, we were, we were very, like light touch. It's like, okay, we're not going to promise that this is going anywhere. Um, you know, we're just going to enjoy each other's company. Um, and, and obviously our relationship has developed and deepened. And then with, uh, with Kevin, I really hadn't planned on getting remarried, but, 
but it just seemed like the right thing for us to do. Nice, nice. I won't pry too much and ask you why or anything like that. Um, but it's just, it's it's really interesting to me uh, that we have this opportunity, right? Um, when we're in our monogamous relationships, we really are on the escalator. Those are the expectations is to eventually move in together, get married, you know, grow old and retire to Florida, right? That's I heard that somewhere and I thought it was hilarious. Um and so, so we have these expectations, but in polyamory, we don't necessarily have to stick to those rules. And especially in your case, where you were with one partner for, for a longer period of time, um, it's, it's just an interesting development. I wonder if you would share at least what your thoughts were, you know, when you were making that decision, you know, I mean, not necessarily like when he proposed, then there was that moment, right? Or, or uh, you know, talking about it beforehand, maybe. Um, what were some of the things that you considered when you decided, okay, well, I'm going to shift and go ahead and, and get married? What were some, some of the things that you were considering? Well, uh, for one thing, when you, when you get legally married, you're, you're part of a team that is is financially entangled and so mm -hmm. you really have to be on the same page with when it comes to how you how you handle money um and have the same sorts of goals and stuff like that and it's not a value judgment if you you know if you don't match up 100 percent with somebody else but um you know that that was an important thing in my relationship is that i wanted to be on the same path um, financially and, and have the same idea of, of how to handle money in the day to day. Um, and also like being married is a big romantic thing. And mm -hmm. sometimes it just feels like it, it fits. Um, and I, I want to make it really clear that this doesn't mean that Andy has any less of a place in my life. Mm -hmm. Andy's actually the person that I've named in my medical power of attorney to make decisions um, you know, ultimate decisions if I become too sick to communicate my medical wishes. He's the one on that form that is going to make those decisions, not Kevin. Um, so they're important to me in really different ways. Wow. Wow. I love that. Um, okay. Last personal question here. And then we're going to jump in and talk about uh, some of the professional stuff because you've already touched on a few things, which is the the finances and legal protections there, uh, making sure that somebody else is named, somebody who's not your legal husband is named or legal spouse is named as a uh, medical power of attorney. So we'll get into that professional stuff. But the last personal question, um, when the wedding ceremony happened, uh, did Andy play a role? And if so, what was that role? Um, I actually asked him if he wanted to, to have some participation in the ceremony. And he's, he's just not a super public person. And so he was at the ceremony and celebrated with us. And when we got our family pictures taken, he's right there. Uh, you can see on my website, my, my favorite picture is, is the three of us together. Um, that's from uh, our wedding. And so, uh, so yeah, it was like, it was so good because I was able to have, have all my family there. 
<laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. That that warms my heart. It's that's a happy poly moment for sure. Okay. All right. Enough of the personal stuff. We had a good time there. Let's talk polyamory and the law. So a couple of things that you touched on is is when we get legally married, there are automatically protections and automatically things that get assigned to our our legal spouse that maybe our non-legal spouse or you know non-legal married partner whatever uh doesn't necessarily have uh can you just touch on a few of the the major differences uh that you know couples privilege type of things or whatever we we want to call it uh that Kevin will be will benefit from that you know maybe Andy doesn't what are some some of the big things uh that Kevin gets well i mean it, it's really, there's a lot of um, things that are just kind of expected and customary. Um, and, you know, we're, we're our own family doing our own thing. Like the people who come to me um, who want help, like building a family have so many different needs. They, um, a lot of them have kids and they want to make sure that their kids are taken care of. If the legal parents uh, pass away that the mm -hmm. third or fourth parent have, you know, have the kids if the legal parents pass away. Um, handling finances is another thing. Um, you know, if you, you know, anybody can get like a, a joint checking account, uh, but sometimes people come and they want to buy a house together or they want to um, you know, handle their finances together. Maybe they need something a little more complicated like a trust. Um, so those are, are the kind of things that when, when somebody wants this issue solved that, you know, if you were married, it would just be kind of automatic. We look mm -hmm. for ways to do that by contract or agreement or, you know, just using the tools that exist um, out there in the law right now. The contracts is something that you mentioned. And before I go on, uh, we do have some people watching and listening. So I just want to throw this out there. If anybody has any questions for Stacy, go ahead and drop them in the comments. We'll get those read uh, as we're getting on the show. Um, but contracts was something that you just mentioned. And uh, I did have a chance to have a couple of lawyers on last week as well. It was pretty great. Uh, they were up mm -hmm. in Oregon. Um, and they mentioned that the law really loves contracts. So just kind of in general, wherever we are in the country, uh, if we have contracts in place, then, you know, the law really looks to honor those um, as much as possible. So I'm guessing that you would agree with that. And if so, do I have to get a lawyer to write up a contract? Uh, yes and no. Um, the, the standard lawyer answer is it depends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so, the standard tax answer, the standard insurance dude, answer. Dude, almost had you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Almost got you. <laughs> so take, for example, people who want to live together. So like one of the really common contracts for people who are living together is just a lease agreement. So, um, you know, how, how are you both going to engage with this, uh, you know, with the property? And that you, you really need to make sure that you have your legal documents in place. But also it may be just as important to have a document that is, is not 
a legal document that's maybe just a living together agreement that isn't something like binding uh, and that you're going to take to court, but just spells out the understanding of like, how often are we going to take out the trash and how many pets are we going to have in this household and that sort of thing. Um, when you're talking about uh, people involved in a romantic relationship, you may also want to have like a cohabitation agreement that spells out that you're not married. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, in, in our common law states, you could be married if you, you know, call yourself husband and wife, you live together, um, you, you could find yourself legally married. And for some people that could be problematic. There are some like benefits or if you get alimony from another state, that might stop if you're considered legally married. And so you may wanna spell out something that says, you know, we're intending to live together, but we do not intend to be married. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is the limit of our, our relationship. So there are definitely things that you, um, you know, you should have legal help involved, but there are plenty of things that just really need a good, honest conversation and, um, and, you know, then write down what you decide to do. There are contracts in. I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. I love that clip every time. Um, you you mentioned putting a contract in place to actually say we are not married. Uh, and so this is specific to common law states where basically if we live together long enough, if I live with somebody long enough and share finances and all that stuff, the state would just automatically consider us married. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. There, there are legal elements that you would have to prove to show that you were common law married in Texas. Um, and one of them is living together. One of them is holding out to your community. And the third one is that you show an intent to get married. Um, and that could be inferred from, you know, do you have a big ceremony and mm -hmm. get together and exchange rings? Um, so if you have all of those three things, then you could be considered married in the state of Texas. And there are other common law marriage states as well. And this is really interesting for our poly folks too, because you know, um, before same-sex marriage was legal, um, you know, obviously those folks before same-sex marriage was legal, they wouldn't be considered common law marriage. But after mm -hmm. the Obergefell case, like now some of those folks who have been together for a long time, they're their common law marriage is being backdated to before oh. before gay marriage was legal. And so that has financial implications in the case of divorce or wrongful death or something like that. Um, Very so, interesting. So it's, it's a wide open map for poly folks. There are a couple of places in the Northeast that are, are acknowledging multi-person domestic partnerships. As far as I know, there's no place in the world that you can be married to three people, um, you know, or more than two more people. Than mm -hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, what is that going to look like if that situation changes? And then we apply the common law marriage to our poly situations. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I forget the name of the town, but uh, Massachusetts, they they did. um they did what's the word I'm looking for? Um, recognize uh, multi partner 
relationships in in their in their documents. Uh, I wonder, have you read anything about that? And I guess the the question that I'm that I'm kind of going for here is, uh, if you know you and Kevin are legally married, and say uh, Andy moves in with the two of you, uh, is there any way to get like the common law? domestic partnership or something like that for all three of you uh or you know if it's not available now with what's happening in massachusetts and and assuming hoping you know fingers crossed that that starts to spread you know towards towards our states right all the way across the country um is that kind of theoretically the way that it would work um, yeah, I, I'm not seeing Texas as being an early adopter of, of <laughs> <laughs> multi-person domestic partnership. Yeah, I think um, it'll be a while for Texas. Maybe, um, <laughs> you know, but but yes, ultimately, that's that's something that could happen. Um, so in Massachusetts, I'm I'm thinking that that might be that might be kind of what what would be happening over there. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, Texas, maybe not, but you had something? Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking, you know, one of the things that that benefits not just polyamorous folks, but other people in intentional families is, you know, if um, if there could be changes in like the local ordinances for housing, how many unrelated adults can live together? Um, you know, there are lots of places in the law where um, it would be really exciting if there were some changes made it to accommodate families that didn't look like a married couple and maybe their kids. Can you give me an example, like what you mean by that? Well, like in a lot of places, you can't have more than X number of unrelated adults, uh, meaning legally not related, Mm -hmm. living in the same household. And that would be difficult if you had partners that you wanted to live with. Um, that you weren't legally married to or weren't, you know, your biological family. And so, um, you know, if if the ordinance limiting the people who could live together were changed, then that would be a boon for polyamorous families and people who just want to live together, um, you know, as a family who maybe aren't romantically involved. I did not even realize that, that, that there were ordinance, ordinances saying that, only a certain number of, of unrelated adults could live in a particular house. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So yeah, there's a, there's a new organization that um, Diane Adams is, is part of that's the polyamory legal advocacy. I think it's coalition, um, but they're starting to look at all the different ways that um, you know, things could be improved for a lot of different types of chosen families. Could you repeat that name for me? I I think it is the Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. Um, okay. It, it's definitely a C. Um, <laughs> no, no worries. I I was asking because uh, you know one of the things that that I'm it's it's just kind of striking this chord in my head over and over and over again is is this idea of some kind of activism, some kind of finding. Uh, an organization like what you're talking about to maybe become a part of or uh, or talk to, you know, see how we can uh, continue to get our word out there, get this, get these, you know, Texas may not be an early adopter in the laws that are going to benefit uh, and, and, you know, 
equalize whatever um, laws for us polyamorous folks, you know, but whatever we need to do, whatever we can do in each of our states. I mean, I'm in California, you're in Texas. I don't know where our listeners are uh, right now, but I know that we're all over the place. And the more that we, you know, have an opportunity to come together, find organizations like uh, one more time, what was the name of it? If you can think of it. Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. I think it's Polyamory Legal Advocacy Coalition. Some PLAC. Got it. So the more that we can find organizations like that and, and, you know, work together, uh, you know, it's all about all of us raising our voices and, and bringing about change, the change that we want. Um, That's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. We'll get all Danny Zuko on them. Um, So (laughs) more. Yeah. And some of that, some of that change is just like in the day-to-day life of people who have alternative lifestyle families. There are not very many of us attorneys who have familiarity with um, polyamorous families, families in the BDSM community. Um, there's a lot of overlap, like I said, with the, the burner community um, right. and, and lots of other groups here. And just having somebody that can sit down with you and go through like, okay, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish for your family? What are the things that are most important to you um, without judgment and, mm-hmm. and help you look at different solutions? Um, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what, that's what it's all about is finding ways to be of service and, and continue to help our community flourish and grow. Um when it comes to other ways of planning, other ways of protecting and and planning our chosen family, what are some things that you would tell somebody who maybe uh, is just opening up their relationship or is just exploring polyamory? Um, what are some things maybe that you would say, hey, get this document in order. That way you don't have an issue later on. Um. Well, I, I think really when people are first opening up, what they, they really need to do is have those hard conversations with maybe their existing partner about finances and, and how they expect things to go forward. I think when, you, when you've when you developed a relationship um, that has you know multiple partners, then you can start looking at things like including them in your will making sure that they're included, you know, everybody knows who your medical power of attorney is. If you have kids, it's mm-hmm. really important to know uh, what to do for the care of those kids. If you've got a partner who's moved in and is helping, you know, or is part of the parenting group, then, um, you know, there's an authorization that you can have where a non-parent can uh, do things like take your kid to the doctor and enroll them in school and basically give that other person who's not a legal parent, the ability to, you know, act on behalf of the kiddos. Um, so those are some of the things that come up, but they're, they're not at the very beginning of opening up. They're really more at the, we've developed a relationship with, with people. Um, and, and now we want to, to create some structure. Makes a lot of sense. So when opening up, the first thing that you mentioned was the uh, finances Mm-hmm. Um, what are some, some topics? What are some things that, you know, if I'm opening up my relationship with somebody, uh, we're talking about finances, 
is there anything specific that I need to make sure to talk about? I mean, I, I, I have no idea where to begin. Well, some of the families that I work with, and, you know, and these are folks at the point of, of moving in together, or maybe they've already moved in together. Mm -hmm. um, you might have uh, three people who are together, and maybe they're a triad or a triple. And, um, you know, two of those people have significant income, and maybe the third person is the one that stays home with the kids, and they don't have income. And how how do you want to share those resources? How do you want to pay the bills and stuff like that? And make sure that the, the person who isn't bringing in income, that they're valued, and that they have, um, you know, protection and resources. Um, you know, given their contribution. So that's, that's one of the things that comes up. I love that idea. I, I, it, it's very, very relatable um, that, you know, to have that third person that maybe is stays home with the kids. The other two are, are working out, you know, wherever it is. And, and that third person uh, or that, you know, that other person is, I don't like, I don't know. Third just sounds like eh, like ranking, but not not what I mean. Just that other person is staying home and uh, you know deserves to also have some kind of uh, you know protection as well. Um, and I think you know, the, the other that, oh ahead. the other thing that I would would talk about too is that um, I know divorce isn't a fun topic, but that is also mm. a way that you're building, you're, you're rebuilding your family. And there's a lot of ways uh, that having a good divorce, having, um, you know, a, a non-conflict uh, divorce, or at least a minimal conflict divorce, that that can actually really help, you know, the individuals in those relationships and their other partners and the community too. And so um, I think that's something that's really valuable that a lot of the, the poly folks bring to the table. Like we, we don't wanna get into too high conflict of a situation because these are small communities and you're, mm -hmm. you're gonna see your ex again a lot. Right. And if you have kids, then you're, you're never not gonna be part of their family. And so I think people really understand the importance of, you know, when you do have to make that hard decision to, um, you know, break up, to treat the other person with respect and, you know, as generous of a spirit as you can. I love that. A generous spirit when, you know, I, I think that that's something that also is within our community that we just generally break up better. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> maybe, maybe not all the times. I don't know. Maybe it's just my experience. But um, I think with, you know, the ability to deescalate relationships and kind of having that language and um, different styles or different, different ways to, to love the people that are important in our lives. Um, we just have that ability a little bit more. Um, so just to kind of recap, we were talking finances, we were talking, uh, divorce. Uh, one of the things you mentioned was the medical, uh, power of attorney guardianship for children. Is there anything else that we missed? Uh, any final thoughts, uh, in case I forgot to ask something, just something that you would want to leave with, uh, with the community before we go. Um, I think I think those cover the top things. And of course, with the, the pandemic this year, that having that medical power of attorney and having a will, those things are really at the 
the top of the list. And I know you asked, you know, do we have to have a lawyer for everything? The medical power of attorney, at least in Texas, it, this is a form that you can get at the Department of State Health Services website. You can fill the form out. You have, need a couple of witnesses or a notary, but you don't need a lawyer for it. And it's one of the very few forms that you can feel confident. Yeah, I can I can do this myself. And so I, I really recommend that everyone um, get their medical power of attorney uh, straightened out, especially if you have a non-traditional family that maybe the medical profession wouldn't necessarily recognize. Perfect. Well, Stacy, I want to thank you so much for uh, giving us some val- some of your valuable time. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was really great to hear uh, not just the professional, but also some of your personal story. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Um, and, you know, look forward to chatting with you again. Um, oh, last thing. Duh, I'm about to forget. If people want to work with you, What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, my website is Chosen Family Law TX, and I think it's scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram by my name, Stacy McClarty, S T A C E Y M C L A R T Y. Um, and I'm also brand new to TikTok, and I have a tiny presence on Twitter um, at the uh, Texas at Texas Poly Lawyer. At Texas Poly Lawyer, perfect. Yes. Thank you again so much, Stacy. It has been truly a pleasure. Thank you, James. I've really enjoyed this. And thank you, as always, to our live listening audience as well. Uh, Don't forget, you can ask questions. So uh, tune in tomorrow. Uh, Nope, I'm sorry. Tune in next Monday uh, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get the show with no commercial interruptions. If you don't catch us live, download the show on the podcast, then you get some commercials. But hey, it's cool. It gives me a penny every time you listen. I appreciate it. If you want to support the show, uh, sign up for Patreon where you get access to commercial free RSS feed as well as tuning in live. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcasts. Uh, And of course, if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. All right, everybody, that is all we've got for the day. Thank you all so much. And as always, have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at Patreon.